And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. For the fourth time, we welcome back to our program an exceptional economic visionary, a profound critical thinker, and somebody who I have deepest respect for. One thing I love about our show is that while we do introspective one-on-one interviews, we tend to compare our guests' philosophies with other individuals that are out there also making an impact and also speaking words and visions of freedom. I listen to this podcast on a regular basis. It's kind of a video podcast called The Dollar Vigilante with Jeff Berwick. And I do respect how this gentleman incorporates other people's philosophies like Ron Paul and other people in there. And he'll kind of compare and contrast. And that's one thing we, we do. I mean, we, we talk a lot about Martin Armstrong. We talk a lot about Gerald Salente. If a person appears on our show who's had a significant impact, we'll take that person's philosophies and we'll, we'll compare it to a featured guest to see what they think about it. I think it's great that you continue to do that. But in order to gain a full scope and picture of what's really happening, I think it's good to listen to many perspectives. And if you find people who you respect and you, you kind of see that they're saying something similar, I really do feel that that kind of gives you a clear idea of where we're headed. But our featured guest is phenomenal. He's a person who is uh, widely regarded as, as one of the top in his field. And he offers a lot of terrific insight on not only the economic future of the world in the U.S., with how things could be changing uh, socially within nations. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to once again welcome back to the show best-selling author, world-renowned speculator, brilliant libertarian philosopher, passionate freedom advocate, Mr. Doug Casey. He's also an author of these great books called Assassin, Drug Lord, Speculator, all part of the High Ground Novels. Doug, welcome back to our show. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Ryan. Much appreciated. Thank you. So, okay, first website is internationalman.com. Is that, the, is that the best website for you? Uh, yeah, that's the best place to reach. I also have a podcast called Doug Casey's Take So people on YouTube, so people can check into that as well if they care to. I've listened to it. I think it's great. I'm glad that you're doing these on a regular basis. And Doug, since the last time we spoke... The world's rapidly changing. I know David Stockman's been posting things and Peter Schiff's been posting things. We're all hearing this echo of a big market letdown, meltdown, hyperinflation. Do you believe that it's still going to happen? Or do you find that Martin Armstrong, legendary investor, uh, forecaster, he's been saying that the U.S. will never cancel its currency. He's forecasting inflation to be about 25% possibly by the end of this year, but we're never going to have an outright cancellation of the currency. I'm curious what your what your perspective is. Well, I don't think they're going to get rid of the dollar. 
it's just going to continue gradually losing losing value. But uh, as far as the markets are concerned, we've had a 40-year bull market in stocks since the bottom in the early 80s, a 40-year bull market in bonds. And uh, I think those are coming to an end. So uh, I'm uh, generally short the market, uh, stocks and bonds both. And there's a potential for a genuine world-class crash as well. I can think at this point of very few reasons why the stock and bond markets are going to go higher. And I can think of a lot of reasons why they're going to go lower. But uh, these are just financial problems. We have much more serious problems that underlie that. We have really serious economic problems, really serious political problems, very serious social problems, and of course, this uh, nonsense in the Ukraine coming in the, on the heels of the nonsense of COVID, and probably to be followed by even greater nonsense of global warming, uh, are just going to continue to aggravate the situation. So it's uh, really kind of a witch's brew at this point. Jeez, it's tough to read your blog sometimes because, I mean, you're, you're straightforward. You give people a sobering approach. And looking at what's going ahead, the fact that the nation's attention turned completely away from COVID. It seemed that COVID just suddenly just disappeared when Russia was doing these things with Ukraine. Do you think that in one way, shape, or form, as weird as it sounds, that that actually gave the world a little bit of an economic balance because all the restrictions immediately ended, at least in the U.S., and that maybe prolonged this inevitable day of reckoning? Well, one definition of a depression is it's a period of time when distortions and misallocations of capital are liquidated. And during the two years of the uh, COVID hysteria, in fact, I'd go so far as to say it was a COVID mass psychosis, uh, there were a lot of distortions cranked into the economy where people were acting in ways that they wouldn't normally act and doing things that they would otherwise considered to be irrational and counterproductive. So let's suppose that the COVID, uh, the cycle, let, let's suppose COVID goes away and doesn't come back and bother us again. And the way I see it, it was really just a severe type of flu. Uh, most people are completely unaware of the fact that the normal um, seasonal flu kills in between 30 and 50,000 people every year in the United States. So uh, COVID was somewhat worse than that, but uh, a lot of people got got sick from it, uh, a, a mild flu, a bad cold type of thing. But um, it was really hyped into a, a gigantic hysteria by the media. But the consequences uh, that flow from people not working and kids not going to school, and people acting in all kinds of irrational ways for over two years, it's going to take a while for those to right themselves. But that's in addition to all the other problems that we have. So answer to the question, yeah, it's good that the COVID hysteria is over. That's a positive. But uh, it doesn't change the long-term trends. And 
I think that the powers that be, uh, there actually are bad guys out there, and bad guys tend to accumulate in government more than any other place. I agree uh, with you more on that one. I, I think we're we're going to see a redux of COVID, uh, COVID 2.0, and maybe a COVID 3.0, and maybe something else, because <clears throat> these people really like control, and I think they were very gratified at what whip dogs, Americans, and humans in general proved to be. They just did what they were told. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, this phase of COVID has gone away, but uh, what comes next is an open question. And I'm glad, thank you for your answer. And I read your article on the freedom gap and why it may soon close and and then you answered one of these questions about what the future looks like for individual freedom in the U.S. From your perspective, I mean, if you're looking at the nation as a whole, it, it seems that in your article, you, you're, you're really citing that it's going to get progressively worse, maybe more repressive. But is that just the nation as a whole, or do you think that some individual states have a legitimate chance of turning things around? Because I know one of your things that you've always talked about is that trends in motion tend to stay in motion. Well, if you have certain states that have been pushing against the COVID tyranny, that have been pushing against the reduction in civil liberties, and they are moving in a trajectory of more freedom, do you think that those particular states could eventually get to the point where they are most free and they do not get bogged down, collectively speaking, with where America, the rest of America is heading? Well, I'd like to think that. And of course, it's pretty obvious that there have been hundreds of thousands maybe the number is actually in the millions now, of uh, people that have moved out of California and New York and Massachusetts and places like that, Illinois, to uh, states that have much lower taxes and much less regulation and just generally a freer social, less less politically correct social environment, uh, places like Florida and Texas. But... um, I'm, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, the, the average American, whoever he is, appears, and this is assuming that the election wasn't actually stolen. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if it was or not, but it, everything's very fishy around the last uh, election, I think. Um, the fact is that uh, the Biden regime was apparently popularly elected. And uh, the average American, therefore, must approve of what these people believe in. But when you look at the people in the Biden regime, from from uh, Joe to Kamala, and then everybody right down the line, absolutely all of their employ- employees are, are ultra-leftists, uh, psychologically aberrated in different ways. Uh, these people actually share the same psychology exactly and the same political thinking and approach as the Bolsheviks in 1917 in Russia, or for that matter, uh, the Chinese during the Great Cultural Revolution in the 60s, or the Jacobins in France in 1789. They're the same personality types exactly. and they're acting the same way. Now, it's much harder 
for them to do real damage in the U.S. because uh, we have traditions in this country that were much different than those in the other countries that I mentioned. But uh, they're going to be in office for another three years. And who knows what they're going to do, even though in November I expect they'll be kicked out. But the Republicans that will replace them are, are no great prizes. They're just hey, the these people rhinos. are yeah, they're rhinos. I mean, mostly they they have no uh, philosophical uh, center or core. Uh, so uh, I'm not optimistic uh, at, at this point. Right. Uh, the person I think I've probably brought to your attention before is Larkin Rose, and this is going to come back with another uh, analysis on your quote that you said that trends in motion tend to stay in motion. We do see. The 20% that you believe you have identified in some of your previous articles as the people who are kind of like the control freaks, the ones that really kind of want to go around. And there's that 4% of the psychopaths where if, you, do you, if you're looking at America right now, do you see that kind of psychotic behavior taking root on a deeper level that it's kind of continue to rise and kind of affect everyone like a virus? Or do you see that genuine pushback to be something very positive? <laughs> And where I'm coming with a quote from Larkin Rose is Larkin believes that once doubt has been cast upon authority, I believe that once you have people that have said no to authority, that have stepped up and refused to comply, that that tends to build momentum and that bursts the dam. Because once that line is crossed, once uh, def authority is defied and people can do it, it never has the same legitimacy as it did prior to people defying authority. So based on Larkin's philosophy and based on some of that pushback against this, you know, tyranny that's happening, does that make you a little more hopeful or do you think that ultimately that the country's going to get infected long-term with this uh, tyrannical selfishness and 1984 type authoritarianism? Well, I'd like to think that he's right. Uh, I certainly am very sympathetic to, to that view, no question about it. But uh, I'm not sure I agree with it. Uh, is the standard of living of the average guy in the U.S. has actually been going down for the last 40 years, uh, despite the stock market going up. And it's been disguised by the fact that the major export of the U.S. for about that period of time has not been or computers or any of the stuff that we used to make, it's been dollars, which is artificially uh, propped up uh, domestic standard of living. And it's been the creation of huge amounts of debt, courtesy of the Federal Reserve and the banking system. So, you know, if you borrow, uh, if we all went out and borrowed a million dollars today, really high off the hog for a year or two, but then you'd have to pay the money back with interest. So, uh, the, the long-term trend, I'm afraid, in the U.S. from that point of view is down. And uh, the problem is that if the stock and bond markets and real estate markets, all three, collapse the way I think they probably will, uh, the average American, even the good guys that uh, like join the truckers' strikes, both in the U.S. and Canada, you know, they're going to be so they're going to be so pushed up against the wall that that they're going 
and we beg somebody to kiss everything and make it better. So somebody will come along and say, I can, I can fix everything. Just give me enough power because people still kind of trust the military in the U.S. And uh, especially now that war is in the air, uh, Americans will go for a general and things will get much worse. So I think we're in for really, really rough times, not just this next year, but throughout this decade. So I agree with Larkin. I want to agree with them. But on the other hand, no. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate your answer. Martin Armstrong, Armstrong Economics, and I like to read some of his articles. And one thing is, I guess his computer's predicting is, I guess it's saying that we're going to go into tyranny, I guess, from 2024 to 2032. And he says after 2032, whether or not Western civilization exists is highly in question. It seems that we're having a, a collapse of Western civilization altogether. Based on what you've observed about history, do you see a lot of parallels between the U.S. and the Roman Empire and other nations that are in collapse mode? And if I was curious if you see the U.S. is on the same trajectory and when do you think we may actually have a collapse, if you agree with that? Well, I, actually, I'm an amateur uh, with a specialty in the ancient world just that I do a lot of reading uh, in the area. And if any of your listeners would like, I'll send them an article. Uh, it's a long article, about 10,000 words, that I wrote that uh, compares the decline of the U.S. with that of Rome. Uh, it's like a cottage industry. Uh, everybody's got to do this type of thing. Compare the decline of the U.S. with Rome. But I think it's a valid comparison. Uh, I don't know uh, Martin Armstrong personally, and he's got some kind of a magic computer. I don't put a lot of trust in computers. And anyway, no one individual can have a computer that's the size of those that big think tanks use. So I don't know whether there's anything to that or not. I, yep. I have no idea. But uh, I do agree that the U.S. is on a slippery slope. And Western civilization, I mean, there are people all over. Uh, I consider them very bad, destructive, evil people, actually, that are trying to destroy Western civilization, which is the only civilization in world history uh, that's really worth anything, quite frankly. I mean, I, I like Chinese uh, civilization, certain elements of it, uh, bequested yoga to the world. Okay, that's great. But uh, compared to Western civilization, there's absolutely nothing else that uh, is, is worth talking about. So, but uh, it's on the slippery slope because the education system has been indoctrinating kids for the last three generations with all kinds of really uh, destructive and evil Marxist uh, and collectivist ideas. And it's been effective. Because, you know, kids tend to listen to their teachers and those ideas stick in their minds. So, yeah, I think uh, Western civilization is on the way out. And uh, that's going to result in a whole lot of other problems. So hold on to your hat. So whether Martin Armstrong's computer is, has anything to do with it or not, I don't think so. But I think he's right in what he said. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I read one of your other articles about why 
the U.S. is, you know, one of these circuitics. Like we don't share a general philosophy anymore. I mean, I love freedom. I can't believe that more people can't coalesce and come together with, with a love and passion for freedom. But it, it's kind of strange that a lot of people are against freedom. And when you look at some of the U.S. states that are out there, I you know, is there any, do you think it's worth oh, moving to a particular state that has a growing foundation of people that generally love sure. freedom? Do you think that some of these states will likely one day emerge as countries on their own if the U.S. does indeed decide to break up? And if so, what, country, what states would you recommend people go to? Well, I've been saying for a number of years that I thought the U.S., I think the U.S. is going to break up. Uh, in other words, I think we're going to have secession movements in the future, um, which are a good thing because the U.S. has actually turned into a multicultural domestic empire containing groups that have nothing in common whatsoever. I mean, at least up until the mid-60s, uh, you could describe the U.S. as being uh, European uh, ethnically and culturally, and basically Christian, Judeo-Christian, sharing values, sharing traditions. That's not true anymore. It's all been washed away. So we're not really a country anymore. It's, a, it's an unstable, multi, uh, multicultural domestic empire. That's, that's what we have today, and it's going to break up. And of course, the central government in Washington, D.C., as governments always do, will fight to keep things that want to break off from them, as keep them there uh, as milk cows. So, um, yeah, that's in the cards. It's it's, uh, it's going to be quite ugly. Well, what should you do? Well, if I, I lived in Vermont, for instance, I would certainly move across the border to New Hampshire, which would be a definite step in the right direction from a tax point of view in other ways. Um, you know, if I lived in Colorado, I would tend to want to cross the border into Wyoming. Uh, you can do a few things like that. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's hard for people to uh, pick up and leave because everybody's got a mortgage on their house and they don't want to lose their job and, and they've got friends and their kids are in school. So it, it's, it's a lot of, and, and their expenses to moving. And it's said that the average American can't lay his hands on $500 cash over the weekend if he had to, because everybody's so deeply in debt. So, um, yeah, if you could move to a better place in the country, and Florida would be my first thought on as far as where to go, uh, you should do it. Um, and if you're in a position to, you should actually look to... Um, get a second home outside of the U.S. for lots of reasons. It can make a lot of sense. But I know a few people are in a position financially or psychologically to uh, do anything that radical. Uh, it's, it's pretty tough, and I'm, I really appreciate your answer. And look, I spoke to a gentleman who, who is a, uh, he's a very respected prepper, and we always talk about you know, what are some of the best states. So... Even though Florida and Texas have great, you know, they have a lot of freedom there, especially Florida, in a situation where we have societal decay, where we have higher inflation, 
do you think states like that would actually fare worse in some ways because they're so densely populated and because, you know, you mentioned before that even if you have these guys who are considered the good guys and their backs up against the wall and they don't own any silver and they don't know anything about what's going to happen, could they just as easily turn into, you know, people that are going to come over and attack you as opposed to retaining their good guy status in these states? So I'm curious, uh, again, if you think that some of these free states, if they're in a bad position from a prepper perspective, if they're still worth moving to. Yeah, well, you know, who was it that said, I guess this was Joe Lewis said, you can run, but you can't hide. And uh, there's some truth to that. So, you know, everybody ought to have proper means of self-defense if things really get wild and crazy. So at least you're not, uh, you know, uh, a total prey. But... um I don't know, within the context, uh, you don't want to live in a large city anymore because almost all the cities in the U.S. are controlled by hardcore leftists. It's not just New York, Chicago, and L.A. and San Francisco, but most of them are. And they're all falling apart. And will they get better? Well, not as long as there are elections because, you know, all these all these people on welfare will keep voting for the people that pay them welfare. They don't want their doggy bowls broken. So um, I'd, I'd move to a rural or a semi-rural area. Uh, that's one thing that you should do. Hopefully you can you know, find a way to support yourself outside of the city, though. It's, it's a conundrum for a lot of people. I don't know. What do you think, uh, where are you calling? Where 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 are we talking? Where are you talking to me from now? I'm talking from North Carolina, and in this in a kind of in North Carolina, the city of Raleigh is completely, you know, as you described, you know, left. But the state, I think, it's on the wrong path right now. It's becoming, um, it's really becoming, you know, far left. The state, and I'm concerned about it because in one way, there's a lot of food around here. And I think there are a lot multiple states to go to if something happened. But I also think about you know I look at the upsides and downsides, and I, it's it's been a tough thing because I wonder if like if you live in a strategically good area, but the people around you are not really appreciating the freedom. Ultimately, you're in a bad spot. So that's, I'm on the fence about that right now. It's it's a real problem. Uh, well, once again, you're better in a in a rural area. Uh, that's that's all I can that's all I can say and it's better to have uh, better to have a crib outside the U.S. as well in case you know nobody expected when various countries have turned hard left like uh, like Russia or Germany in the 1930s because the Nazis were a leftist movement, not a, not a rightist movement. I mean, this is a great confusion that people have. Uh, or after the Chinese Revolution, or for that matter, Vietnam, Vietnam in the 70s, or, well, Chile in the 70s. Uh, it can happen absolutely anywhere uh, at this point. So, um, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I mean, uh, you don't want to sit around and act like a potted plant, I don't think. <laughs> no, no. Doug, I just have one final question for you. One of the 
shows that I listen to on a regular basis is uh, Jeff Berwick's Dollar Vigilante. And I love hearing what he has to say when it comes to crypto coin, uh, cryptocurrencies. I'm curious, do you, uh, enjoy, do you share the same philosophy as far as privacy coins being a good investment for the future? And I'm just curious, what are a couple things that the average person can do to insulate themselves from the higher inflation that's coming or that's even here and the growing tyranny? Yeah, Jeff Berwick and I are old friends, and uh, I enjoy listening to his Dollar Vigilante show as well. Um, and as far as the uh, crypto coins and Bitcoin are concerned, yes, I'm a believer in them. I think there's a bubble in the area on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I own some, and uh, they have a lot of advantages um, for use as money actually, uh, something that I had to play with for some time. I was introduced to them in 2013, and instead of jumping on it as I should have, I was a somewhat late adopter. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for the cryptos, but what should, the, what should somebody do that wants to do something practical now? Well, um, I suggest cutting back your standard of living uh, so you can save more. But don't save in dollars because the dollars are losing value at 10, 15, 20% per year. And that's not going to, it's probably going to get worse. Uh, so you should put your savings in the right cryptos. Well, certainly Bitcoin is one of them. Uh, you should buy small gold coins. You should buy silver coins and you should uh, educate yourself. Most people are not very financially sophisticated and, uh, at this point, uh, as a speculation, as a class, I think gold stocks have a big upside potential and relatively low risk. So there are going to be lots of 10 for one opportunities in the gold stock area in particular. So that would be my generalized uh, financial advice. Mr. Doug Casey, I want to thank you so much for once again being on our show world of respect for you and I love your answers and I listen to your show I mean you just you provide such profound good insights and you're also giving a sobering assessment some people like to dress up what's happening but I know you're, you're direct about it the website that I go to check out Mr. Casey on is internationalman.com and Doug's latest book Assassin Book 3 of a High Ground Novels we'll post a link to it on our site and Doug we would love to post that article you mentioned earlier the 10,000 word article in our, in our site as well yeah, anybody that would like it should write in to you, and uh, then I'll forward the article to them. So if they send me their email, either directly at internationalman.com or via yourself, uh, I'll, I'll make sure they get a copy of it. I, I think they'll find it an interesting read. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.